You're listening to the Fix the Money, Fix the World Show on the Bitcoin Made Simple Podcast Network. Here's your host, Luke Mikich. Thanks for tuning in, guys, and welcome back to this week's episode of Bitcoin Breadcrumbs, where Corey and I are going to bring you all the latest news in the Bitcoin and macro space. And a lot has happened over the past week. Uh, Corey and I are going to break down the Bitcoin City announcement by Naib Bukele, the president of El Salvador. And we're also going to break down uh, everything you need to know about the volcano Bitcoin bonds. Uh, We obviously touched on Hillary Clinton and her most recent attack on Bitcoin. Uh, We also talked about why the most recent Bitcoin price dip is the best Thanksgiving present you guys could wish for. And you guys know Corey and I, we chucked on the tinfoil hat there for a little bit and discussed some very interesting um, events around the world that have occurred over the past week. So strap yourselves in for that one. Uh, Really hope you guys enjoy this one. Before we jump into it, we should hear from today's show sponsor, who is Coinbeast. Do you guys have questions about Bitcoin? Personalize your learning and book a one-on-one video call with a Bitcoin pro on Coinbeast Connect. You can learn about mining, security, the Lightning Network, taxes, and many other topics. It's really easy. Choose your topic and pro, select a date when you're available, and bring your questions to the meeting room. Book your first call today by going to coinbeast.com and clicking on the Connect tab. Be prepared for the financial revolution and get the knowledge you need. Um, so you don't, you guys don't have a Thanksgiving at all because tomorrow is Thanksgiving for us. No, we don't do that over here in the open air prison. You guys have nothing to give thanks for in Australia. <laughs> no, we don't. No, we don't. You don't even celebrate the bullshit uh, Canadian Thanksgiving that they do. They do. I don't know if you know this. Can- Canada does like everything we do. And all the Canadians are going to be like all over me for this. Because, And I love you guys. I'm just teasing because I grew up playing hockey and spent a lot of time in Canada. So I have friends. I know how to I know how to tease the Canadians. But I always told them, I said, you guys do everything. Like you find out what America does and you're like, oh, we're going to do it, but we're going to do it earlier. So, for example, um, we have Thanksgiving at the end of November. They have Thanksgiving in like the end of October, like maybe like a week or so before uh, Halloween. And so it's like I'm like they just they were like, oh, you guys have Thanksgiving. Well, we're going to have it, but sooner. And then like there our Independence Day is the 4th of July and theirs is the 1st of July. I mean, I know the dates actually lined up in history, but I just, I always tease my friends from Canada about it. Uh, it was like, oh, you guys just have to do it right before us and try to do it. But uh, so you guys, you guys don't do any, no, no Thanksgiving at all. No, no, we, no, we don't do any Thanksgiving. Uh, it's a bit funny, the Canadians do, doing everything. Is a, we, we call that doing things a little bit Irish, doing things a little bit backwards or a bit different. <laughs> yeah the um i mean are you guys even like aware of the phenomenon that is thanksgiving no not really all all i know really is there's a turkey involved honestly that's that's my knowledge to thanksgiving oh i mean you basically eat until you pass out um and i mean it's like a huge meal like turkey gravy mashed potatoes corn stuffing like you know uh, biscuits uh all that kind of stuff and um it's all the kind of, kind of stuff you probably haven't eaten in like five years and um hey, I, eat, and, I eat turkey on the weekly turkey's good yeah yeah so you but yeah you just crush yourself um 
and then you feel awful because then you also have dessert. Um, but like they just have football on all day and there's a parade in the morning and back in college, um, that was like the day, the night before. So right now, this night, the Wednesday night before, um, that is like an epic. That is the most popular night to go out in the United States. Like the bars are the, it's the best night for the bars, even better than New Year's because everybody would come home from college and like all meet up and like want to see everybody in the hometown. And then as you get older, um, I mean, I guess other people do. I don't, but like other people get together and, you know, I, I see my friends when I, you know, whenever we get a chance to get together, I don't have to go on, thank, on Thanksgiving, but yeah, it's like you go into like your regular bar and it's just like packed to the brim probably looks like, you know, England, like pubs on like at four 30 on a weekday, okay. which I, have you ever been to England? No, no, I've never been uh, overseas. Uh, do yeah, the the uh, the pubs in England just pour out to like the sidewalk. Um, I I, I was with my people there. Like I, I really got along with the English whenever we visited. I, I had a, I, I was I was I was one with them. We were, we were on the same wavelength. They do like a drink. But, um, when I come over to the US, we'll have to, we'll have to, you have to take my uh, Thanksgiving virginity away, and we'll have to celebrate one. <laughs> Um, somewhere just do else it even I'll... if it's not thanksgiving <laughs> yeah yeah something like that um somewhere else that i'd want to go Corey's uh maybe el salvador um what are your thoughts on the big news of the week with the bitcoin city being announced um so i mean i think it's awesome um and i think that i don't know i mean i think that you know, it may be 50 years from now, um, you know, or a hundred years from now, uh, this Bitcoin play by El Salvador is going to be looked at as one of those things that like just absolutely flipped the fortunes of a, a country and the people that live in the country. Um, it's just, I don't think, I mean, it's just kind of like how we look at Bitcoin in general, um, that you like we all know the ramifications like how how big the ramifications of bitcoin will be and it we're not sure how long it's going to take you know we all hope like it's going to happen in the next couple years uh or at least in the next decade but like you know a lot of us it's also like i hope it happens in the next in my lifetime that hyper bitcoinization takes over the world's a better place all that kind of stuff um but we all know that it's going there eventually um, and I feel like that is what is it like, like you're watching history, um, with, with Bitcoin city and, and El Salvador, don't get me wrong. I'm like very, very, like, I kind of like giving the side eye to Bukele, like the whole time. Cause I'm just like, eh, like, I don't know. I mean, I'm not a fan of like sack, like sacking, um, you know, judges in the courts. I mean, that's all like with a lot of authoritarian uh, tendencies that he's shown. Um, but the one thing I've said all along is that he, one thing you can't deny is that he has allowed a currency into a system that he can't control. He has given up control of the monetary, of the monetary system in his country, um, even though they're dollarized. So you probably didn't really have control of it. At, you know, they had like no control of it. 
Um, so maybe that's the reason they did it. It's like, so they can at least have, they're taking the control away from another country, um, you know, that is, they were dependent on the dollar, but, um, you know, so he's showing some signs of like, you know, freedom uh, and you being pro-freedom and, um, and Bitcoin is one of the biggest things. So I don't know. I mean, I, I haven't dug too much into like the technical side, but I mean like this artwork and stuff we're looking at, if you're watching on the YouTube channel, um, you know, like what did they, did you get to read into like what they're doing? Kind of makes me think of Atlantis, but I'll get into that once we go down the, that rabbit hole. Yeah. So, so if anyone listening in on the podcasting apps, we just have a, a photo of what Bitcoin city is going to look like um, after El Salvador. Uh, I think they were spending $500 million to build it out, but essentially it's a big circular city right next to uh, a volcano. And I think in that circular kind of city, I think they plan on having like the outline of a B somewhere in there. So for the Bitcoin logo. Oh, no way. Yeah. It it is a full blown Bitcoin city. And I think, I think I want to co-sign everything you said. Absolutely agree. A hundred percent. I think we're watching probably one of the bigger events um, in history unfold. And a lot of people are just kind of glossing over it. I, I think this is massive. I mean, people don't think too often about how like, small and insignificant the colonies in america were at the time of the revolution you know what i mean like like the big powers were england um you know the, i mean the french um you know just i mean it's as far as western powers those were the top two um and those they were always at odds but i mean like america was nothing you know so it's i'm not saying that america that time was like you know el salvador now and obviously don't they don't have the land size you know they don't have the geographic area to expand that being said though um you know you could see something like el salvador leading the way um and then other countries in that area almost becoming like states and they you know form a uh union or a republic of some kind uh that uh you know they all help each other and and build this bitcoin um you know it could be it could be a massive union of countries that are all on a bitcoin standard um and taking the power away from the the imf and the the us and everybody else yeah i couldn't agree more it's absolutely massive um, and to your point about the US being small only 50 to 100 years ago, couldn't like that's 100% true. And El Salvador is only small now. How many people live in El Salvador? Is it something like five or 10 million people? Something somewhere something in that, like that, yeah. So they're a really small nation. And I, I think making a bet like this will certainly improve their prospects of people wanting to move over there in the future. Yeah. I mean, I believe me, I thought of it. Uh, I'm sure you and being in the gulag in Australia have thought of it. Oh yeah. Um, Cause I mean, you, what was the deal? I would have thought about it a lot more if it was actual citizenship, but I think it was, I think it was um, permanent residence. Yep. So um, if you, if you invest a hundred thousand dollars into the bond and if you hold that bond for five years, I think you get the residency status. I mean, 
it, it that that doesn't work for the U.S. because, like, you can't become a citizen elsewhere. Um, and you, like, it, like even if I got dual citizenship in a, another country, um, I still even if I live there full time and everything, I have to pay taxes to the U.S. Um, yep. The only way you can get out of that is renouncing renouncing your citizenship um which uh you know i'm a proud american so i don't see that happening but um and also i think it's the best place in the world um at the moment so you know not saying it's great it's just it's better than all the other alternatives great um, but uh yeah i mean for somebody like yourself uh you know who i'm sure you don't want to leave australia but like what does i mean let me ask you that from the perspective of somebody that is in one of the most ridiculous lockdown scenarios, um, you know, you see something like this, what do, I mean, what actually goes, what are you actually thinking about? Because I can't fathom that. And I'm sure a lot of, I mean, I think half of our listeners are in the United States. So like, you know, we can't even really understand what you guys are going through right now. Yeah, it's funny. I actually had this conversation for probably over an hour with a couple of uh, Aussie Bitcoiners I met on Twitter earlier today. That we were talking about tax structures and where you'd want to live. And I pretty much laid it out and I said, uh, my, the best place in the world to live, in my opinion, is probably the red states in America. Second best place is uh, probably the blue states in America. Uh, the, the next best place after then is probably somewhere like Mexico but you have the risks of um, obviously like the goddamn cartel there and yeah. people with not, oh, not, yeah. it's not exactly a Western, you know, it's not a very, how would you say it? Very developed country. Like the people there probably, probably different to maybe an Australian or a Canada people. Like you probably worry less about an Australian or a Canadian robbing you, you know, in under a hyperinflationary event that you would in Mexico. Although I've never been there, yeah. so please, listeners, tear me one in the comments if I'm if I'm talking smack and yeah. everyone in Mexico is lovely. Um, but yes, I, I, red states in America. Go, number, yeah, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say red. I was rambling. Red states in America. No, no, no. One. Go for it. I ramble, dude. I ramble so much. So it's your turn to ramble. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So everybody's uh, probably saying they're like just waiting on bated breath to hear more Luke. And they're like, of course, just shut up and get out of the way. Just get out of the way. <laughs> they don't want to hear my. They don't want to hear my smack. Yeah, it was red states <laughs> in the U.S. Best place in the world to live. Second best place is Mexico. And get this, everybody's going to think I'm biased, but let me explain it. Third best place in the world is probably Australia. What? No, no. <laughs> That's, you mean the place where they have concentration camps right now? Yes. For the the COVID concentration concentration camps yes um, and and the place that i i am an unvaccinated person and literally in one of the states very close to where i live they reportedly sent the military in and forced vaccinated 30 people 30 aboriginal people in that in that town and i still think australia's up there with one of the better places to uh to weather the storm in the coming hyperinflationary currency transition event that we're going to go through so I, i'm looking at multiple different things um i what, want to live in a country that? that's warm year round yeah um a country it is below of freezing right now for hey. me it is it is below freezing now for me and um i'll be lucky if between now and the end of february if there's like five 
to 10 days that aren't below freezing. Now what happens? Now what happens? The same thing's happening in Europe. In Europe, electricity prices have doubled and they're having over the past 12 months and they're having an absolute energy crisis. And there's all these articles coming out saying people could goddamn freeze to death during winter. Most of that you'd think is hyperbolic and exaggeration, but I honestly don't think that to be the case. Like what happened with the pipeline in Texas last year when that went down and wasn't there people freezing to death? Oh yeah. I mean, it's, um, it's, you know, we take for granted how easy we've made it to live in places that, that it's not really habitable. Like it's not habitable for uh, the entire 12 months out of the year. Yep. Um, You know, because I mean, like in Pennsylvania, um, like you can't grow anything from, you know, from the, you know, New York and like anywhere up in like in the New England area, like, you know, you had to make your back in the day, whenever it was like all farms, I mean, you had to make your yield, um, you had to get your food, you had to store up and then get ready and basically hunker down for winter. Um, and so now, you know, everybody's become so soft because we're so dependent on like, Oh, the grid's fine. Meanwhile, the grid's so susceptible. Like, I mean, it's so um, vulnerable. Uh, and uh, yeah, I mean, I think it would be <laughs> it would be rough because it's not going to be like people can all of a sudden just boom go back to like what their you know ancestors were doing and and uh, farming the land. Like, it's going to be a stark transition for a lot of people who need their their food to come out of a freezer in a you know Walmart somewhere. Um, and all of a sudden you, you don't have electricity. Yikes. Well, it's not you just know, you, you it's not just you talking about the threat of energy grids being weak and unstable. You've got Klaus Schwab, head of the world economic forum. He's openly saying, look, I think there's a 12% chance that the internet and the power grid goes out for possibly months at a time before 2030. He says cyber attacks and cyber terrorism is one of the biggest risks going around. And I'd encourage listeners to go and Google cyber polygon because that was the simulation Klaus Schwab from the World Economic Forum held in 2021. And he said there's a 12% chance of grids going down for months at a time. Um, and obviously yeah, that guy is know- definitely not a nefarious actor or anything. Like there's <laughs> nothing suspicious about any of those things. These, this isn't the same group of people at all and I'm being sarcastic, that did the simulation of a, a coronavirus lockdown uh, scenario. That I mean, it's, <laughs> they did this. They did this before, what was it, 2019 or 18? October 2019, two months before COVID. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that, that's, I mean, you know my story, and I've been telling people, I mean, I'm not going to tell people where we're going, but I got land, I uh, got land we're going to and we have our own water source and uh, and not I, I i get that not everybody can do this but um i just can't stress how much relief it gives me um and then i also found out that uh, we have natural gas underneath the property um even better and we own it uh it's it's ours um yeah so i'm you know i'm planning on uh Bitcoin miners, you know, as a backup source to heat our house. This is how create. This is how serendipitous this house is for us. We're going. We're going through the house, and they had left a decent amount of stuff, um, because they had moved. The couple had moved already, 
Um, and one of the things they left behind was a generator. And I was like, oh man, like this is perfect. Um, and so we just asked them, they're like, yeah, you can have the generator, you know? I mean, I think we paid them like, you know, I don't know, some like a couple $150 or something. Um, but I'm just like, all right, got my generator, gonna get some hash huts going. I'm gonna talk to, you know, Adamo with upstream and, you know, start uh, doing it. I, my wife wants me to only do one minor to start. She's like, just get one and then we'll see how it goes. But apparently the S9 sound like vacuum cleaners. Uh, do you run any of those? No, nah, I don't have any miners, so I'm not sure. What oh, I'm yeah, doing. that's right. Obviously. And if you did, you would have lost them in a boat. So Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah. I mean, I, people don't think about how dangerous, how, how susceptible we are to something like that. We just take for granted that you walk in a room, flick a light switch on and the power comes on. I mean, do you know how the Internet there's like literally I mean, now they use, you know, satellites, obviously, is part of it. But like, there's like a cable that like goes across the ocean, <laughs> like yeah. like lays on the ocean floor or whatever, you know. And it's just like it comes out like at the beach on the other side of like the ocean. Um, you know, it's uh, not exactly the most secure thing in the world. Yeah, I'm. I'm not saying. I'm not saying Klaus is right. I'm just saying these are lots of things I, I think guy, about when he, planning I mean, where to live. He predicts a the, lot. <laughs> he's right a lot uh these are just all things i take into consideration coincidentally so we, hey Co coincidentally he's right a lot <laughs> lots of coincidences uh, yeah. So yeah that's that's where i narrow it down a country it has to be warm weather has to have lots of land mass so if shit hits the fan so that's your yeah that's your next thing you guys have ton of, tons of land yeah because when, when you can't buy food at the grocery store, your next door neighbor is going to turn violent if he can't feed his, his family. So you got to think, right, you don't want to be living in a city. You want the option to get in a motorhome and piss off to the middle of the outback or the middle of the desert or not necessarily a desert, but somewhere, somewhere warm. And you don't really want to be living in a motorhome in like freezing Canada. If you, if you like, can you even go anywhere in Canada? And if you can, it's freezing. Like, yeah. So when you start gaming out a possible worst case scenario, um, it kind of narrows down the countries that you'd want to live in. Now, so in the Outback, are you trained to live in the Outback? Yeah. Because um, there's, a, you say you're an Aussie Bogan. I'm there. I forget this kid's name. He was a not a child actor, but he was like a he was like 16 or 17 working on this movie I was working on. Um, I'm not gonna spend time i'm not gonna waste time uh trying to look him up now but he was from australia and he was telling me this story that i don't know if it was like he was like in the boy scouts or like we have something in the states called boy scouts um and he had to like go out at the age of like 16 and spend like a weekend in the outback by himself like i don't know is that a thing yeah, there's an outback here. It's it's massive. It's probably the size of some of your states over there. Just desert and desert. Uh, but I, I wouldn't be going well, yeah, there. Yeah, but I mean, do they make do they make like do, is there like a like a scout type thing that like kids growing up can learn to like live off yep. the land? And um, did you have to do that? I didn't. I didn't do that specifically. Have you hunted? Yep, and I got my gun license. 
Oh, so you do, you are one of the few people in the country that does have a gun. Yeah. So this is another thing that I bounce off the Americans. I'm like, well, I've got a gun here. Um, in America, I wouldn't be able to get a gun as like a, a traveling no, residency. Wouldn't. No, yeah. hell no. So no that's you, just uh, another thing you've got to weigh up. Well, how did you get a gun in Australia? I thought no, I thought that basically nobody had guns. Yeah, that's the narrative. If you just go in there and you say you're hunting and you go to a license and a safety course for hunting, or you could even say it's target shooting just for fun, recre- recreationally, you can go get a gun license. And you're allowed to you're allowed to have them like you keep the you you know like it's not like they just you have to go like pick one up and rent one at the store or something like that no so i got a 22 and a, in your... yeah i got a 22 and a 308 just over there all locked up it has to be uh in a safe obviously but yeah yeah oh nice now you're not allowed to like conceal carry no 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 nothing like that absolutely it's yeah, not that that's... cool yeah, US okay. is, that's still us is still better in every way shape and form yeah that's uh that's um we have like a saying i don't know if you've ever seen it but like we talk about like uh they never tell the stories in the media um about a, a bad guy stopped by a good guy with a gun um but it happens frequently yeah. um you know where uh where somebody will try to start something like it, there was one scenario it was right after like a movie theater thing that happened here and um somebody went into a movie theater and tried to you know do a movie theater shooting and it was a off-duty cop that was in there watching the movie it stood up and just boom yeah and it was like situation's over it's done take that um, but you know you're not gonna hit the news isn't gonna talk about that um so anyway so you do go hunting yep what do you what do you guys hunt in the outback pretty much just kangaroo you're supposed to go deer hunting that's the most Australian thing I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> There's bruises <laughs> everywhere, mate. Oh, uh, like do they? Do they like what? Like, do you see them? Like, I would see like chipmunks. Like, they're just like in your backyard. Like, no, nah, like, walking through. No, nah, no, nah, probably probably once a maybe once every couple of months you'll see one on the highway. But it's very rare. If you go shooting though, you you see them. And are they a good source of meat? Yeah, shit, yeah. I, like, I literally go and buy the kangaroo bangers, the kangaroo sausages from the shops, and uh, kangaroo's delicious. Kangaroo burgers, they're good. Um, you, do you I, call them bangers and mash? Just yeah. like the. Okay, so yeah. I have, when me and my wife were in uh, England, we were in London, and we had a couple drinks. We were sitting in a pub, and I was talking to the locals, and I said, bangers and mash. I'm like what in the world and they're like yeah it's just sausages and mashed potatoes you know and i was like are they called bangers because they look like the male genitalia <laughs> <laughs> and my wife's just sitting there like oh my white, God. like her, her face is becoming like beet red and they were like <laughs> no and i can't remember the real reason but i just was like oh Oops. I can't give you the real reason. I, I, I honestly don't know. I'm, I'm an uncultured little little bogan. I'm not joking around uh, to the listeners. I, I am a bogan. I don't know much. Um, but I could rant and rave about kangaroos and sausages all day. We better actually break down this yeah. Bitcoin bond for the listeners. Uh, so, so essentially... Yeah, it's a- so yeah, for those of you that are interested, sorry for our rambling 
Um, and we will be able to tell by the statistics on the podcast if you care about this stuff because uh, you'll just turn us off. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. So for those of you who we've still got the $1 billion bond that Naib B. Kelly is putting forward, it's, it's essentially the coupon rate is 6.5%. So... Uh, for the for the whole annual. 10 years hey so annual uh yes yeah 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 so for the whole 10 years you get 6.5 percent on the bond um and then there's a really interesting part to this it's not a normal bond it's a bitcoin bond so after the first five years you actually get like kind of a bitcoin kicker or a bitcoin special interest and i think you get 50 percent of bitcoin's gains paid back to you for every year, um, for years five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Um, so I think that's that's you get the fifty percent. That's because El Salvador wants to pay off its its amounts of um, money that it's spending on mining and infrastructure first. So I think it's reliant on the Bitcoin price going up, which it will. But I think Samson Mao's ran a model where if Bitcoin did a million dollars in twenty twenty five. Um, by the time you get to the fifth year of this bond, you'll be getting something crazy like 140% interest uh, for, the, for those years after year five. So I don't know the exact uh, details of you, it, but it's an attractive bond. Do you get, so it's not, so you, how much, what's, I mean, is there a minimum or a hundred dollar buy? A hundred, a hundred dollar? hundred dollar buying. You can go buy this bond. And so pay, so you buy a hundred dollars, but I'll devil's advocate. Wouldn't it be better to just buy a hundred dollars worth of Bitcoin? Of course it would be. Oh yeah. 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 hundred percent. Cause it um, won't appreciate with the value of Bitcoin, right? Like it's no, not like they're no. putting Bitcoin in your holding and, you know, and it grows in value plus getting the 6%. You're getting the 6% or was it 6.5 you said? Yeah, for the first five years, yeah. you get 6.5%. That's it. It's not related to Bitcoin at all. But after year five, that's where the Bitcoin kicker comes in. And that's where I think you get 50% of Bitcoin's gains plus the 6.5% uh, that the bond pays you for the yearly yield. Okay. Okay. So if you were and looking you... at residency, that's when it's attractive. Because right now to get into the country... Uh, three bitcoins is something like what 160 or 170 thousand um, dollars to go in there and buy property. But for this bond, mm -hmm. if you hold the bond, if you buy more than a hundred thousand dollars of the bond and hold it for five years, then you get the five years worth of residency, um, and you're also kind of getting a little bit of bitcoin upside with the bitcoin kicker portion of that bond. So you get you get residency just during the life of the bond not entirely sure how that works so i don't want to say anything um i'm not sure of one here here for the listeners boom yeah it's um, uh, thanksgiving eve so i gotta I got drink a beer thanksgiving it is um so that's el salvador i think we've smashed that to park um maybe something else that's big that's popped up this week is we have uh everyone's favorite uh we'll call her a politician hillary clinton uh coming out and saying that bitcoin is going to undermine the u.s dollar uh thoughts Corey, on the hillary clinton situation 
Um, I think when I saw that, I shared it with the gif of Ron Burgundy going like, yep, 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 like shaking <laughs> his head like it. I was yep. like, I mean, duh, like, <laughs> like, you know, Captain Obvious, like, uh, you know, I think, what was her exact word? Like, it, she thinks it's going to undermine, yeah, undermining the dollar. Yeah. I'm sure she's coming at it from the perspective of that this is going to be dangerous and cause problems and and danger for, you know, Americans. Um, so everybody should just go back and, you know, get your UBI and, you know, barely make it and you'll be okay. Don't think about that Bitcoin thing. Yeah, that's pretty much the aim of the game. She sounds pretty orange-pilled, though. I'll, I'll read out what she said. Uh, she said, what looks like a very interesting and somewhat exotic effort to literally mine new coins in order to trade with them has the potential for undermining currencies, for undermining the role of the dollar as the reserve currency, for destabilizing nations, perhaps starting with small ones, but going much larger. So, You know, that's funny. If, I, if she wasn't such a statist, I, if you told, if you, if you read that to me last week and didn't tell me who said that, I would be like, I mean, obviously that's some kind of Bitcoin maxi thing, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> so, but I mean, she's just stating the facts. Um, and that's something that Bitcoiners have going for them is that we're always stating facts. Um, well, m- not always, most of the time. It's the truth machine. Bitcoin is the truth machine. Um, I think it's bullish. And she says it's undermining the role of the dollar and it's going to destabilize nations. I don't, I don't, <laughs> I don't specifically agree with the destabilizing nations part of it. I think uh, printing your money into oblivion during a hyperinflationary event, I think that's much more destabilizing than Bitcoin, a savings account that doesn't steal your money, but she gets it. Yeah. Um, now I wonder why she's coming out and saying that now. Um, because that's not by accident. Um, none of this stuff. Uh, I mean, I'm sure a lot of people know this stuff by now. By now, but I mean, you know, and have started, especially in the Bitcoin world, have, have figured this out. But you have to look at things like that all the time. And I mean, none of these things, you know, news stories, all this, you know, propaganda that's in the corporate media. Um, none of it comes out by accident the timing of it is not by, I mean, it's, I'm not saying there's a, you know, grand conspiracy. I'm just wondering, you know, are they, are they priming the American people for waving the white flag to say that we have to accept Bitcoin? Or, I mean, I don't know. I'm just thinking out loud right now. That's what we do here at the uh, weekly Bitcoin breadcrumbs. I love that you called it the corporate media. Couldn't agree more. Please, listeners, don't refer to them as the mainstream media. They do not reflect the views. We are the, the mainstream the- media. Joe hey? Rogan's the mainstream media. Yes, Rogan's the mainstream media. The corporate media does not reflect the views of the mainstream. They reflect the views of the corporate propaganda that they want you to eat up. I, I just love that. Um, but yeah, not a coincidence at all that this came out the day after El Salvador Bitcoin bonds. Um, the same kind of propaganda was seen when they made it go legal tender. Uh, everyone can remember the DDoS attack on the exchanges the very minute that El Salvador's uh, 
Bitcoin legal tender went live and obviously that caused like a 20% crash in the Bitcoin price on the day that El Salvador went live with the bill. And obviously all the FUD articles came out in the following days. Uh, not a coincidence. When was that? Was that in September? Yeah, September 6th or 7th. In, so the DDoS, which, which exchanges went down? All of them. Most of the big ones did. I think Coinbase, Binance. Um, I mean, Coinbase always goes down. Yeah. It's, I have it on my phone just to open it whenever the price goes like one way or the other because it without fail will be down. It's always every time. I mean, I saw somebody early on say that they were like, you know, like, you know, there's a couple things that are certain in life, death, taxes, and when the Bitcoin price is going up or down significantly coinbase is down there's something like that and so i was like oh i wonder so yeah I, once i saw that uh yeah every single time it's always going it's always dying every single time yeah. uh, for, for listeners i've pulled up a uh, price chart um and you guys would be a little bit curious thinking what's going on because Corey and Corey and I, we don't really talk about price that much. We, we don't really do that too much. Um, but I got a message this week, somebody saying, oh, Bitcoin's crashing and it's dipped. It's down like, what, 10 or 15%. And I sent them this chart. This is a 12-year log chart of Bitcoin with that arrow. And I said, what dip? Bitcoin hasn't dipped. Mm-hmm. Even yeah. This is even showing the El Salvador dip. This is just up and to the right. Yeah, I mean, it's funny um because i don't let price affect me too much um but uh but i did i had to put um i had to put a certain amount of bitcoin onto an exchange um i know uh everybody's gonna crush me for that um but i had to um for proof of fund funds purposes um with us buying the house all the all the bullshit that goes into that um and uh and I, so I was just uncomfortable with putting any of that there um and then when the price what did it, it dropped i mean we had like a five percent drop this week didn't we yeah let me zoom Something in like that. i'll zoom um, in a little bit the uh yeah we're looking at the chart here oh yeah so I mean, off the we, top off the top, it's down what, ten to fifteen percent. Uh, so we're down about eighteen percent, seventeen percent from the peak at sixty nine thousand. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, whenever it was like going down, I was like, oh my god! Like if it dips any further, I'm gonna have to put more onto the exchange, which I mean, really isn't that big of a deal. But it was just, it was kind of an uncomfortable moment for me because I, I've done such a good job of removing myself from caring about price. Um, and then all of a sudden, like, I just, I hated the fact that the price, even though it was just a, ma- a matter of putting stuff onto an exchange to show liquidity. Um, I hated the fact that the price was dictating something that I had to do because <laughs> yeah. I've done a good, I, I think it's been, I think about three, what are we, November now? It's probably been four months where I've just become, I've been numb to the price and I'm, I'm good. Like I don't even, doesn't even bother me. Um, but yeah, it, it was this weird, weird mental thing for me. Um, and it wasn't like I was losing anything. It was just, 
I was like, oh my God, we have to put more Bitcoin on there. And it was this mental thing of like, my God, if the price goes lower. And then it kind of gave me that, you know, and I'm so new, but it gave me that like fear. It was last Thanksgiving, actually, last November, there was like a like a 20% drawdown. Um, I don't know if you can see that on the chart. It's oh, the, yeah, the drawdown that. that it's the drawdown that made uh Dave Portnoy. <laughs> so oh, yeah okay let's zoom in on that this one here portnoy would, sold like, here that 20 percent dip so this yeah. is why we say plebs to seriously zoom out i mean that little dip that uh, that arrow is pointing to is where point portnoy exercised his lettuce hands and sold his bitcoin look what he missed out on because he bought I think he bought $250,000 worth of Bitcoin when it was at about, what, what price is that there? About 12K. Okay, and is that, is that last November? Uh, yeah, this is uh, September, you know what, no, October. Yeah, it, it's up there a little bit further. See that dip okay. in November? Um, I thought he bought in earlier than that. He might have bought earlier, but that that one, how big of a dip was that? Negative 17%. Um, yep. But yeah, I think it was like, I think it was literally Thanksgiving Day last year that like, it was just, a, it was a pretty bloody day. And that was the first time that I had felt a significant, I mean, there was that one in September there of last year, but, um, but yeah, that wasn't fun. I was just like, oh my God. Not to mention last year's Thanksgiving. Um, talk about the stupid crap that we've all had to go through. Um, my son's teacher got COVID or tested positive for COVID. She wasn't sick. Wink, wink. I mean, she wasn't sick. She just tested positive for COVID. Um, that was Monday and Thanksgiving was on a Thursday. Um, so yeah, last year we had the we were quarantined for Thanksgiving, uh, and um, f that stuff. Like I'm in. That's what I told my my family members, um, is that like I was like I'll never do that again. I'm never going through that again because you know we talk about it in Bitcoin all the time. Like price is or uh, time is the most valuable asset, um, and. Uh, and I could not shake that last year, having to miss time with family and everything. And I mean, we, you know, we made it a good time for the kids. Like we made it a big deal. Me and my wife made it a real big deal for the kids here at home. We made sure we had like snacks and everything was a Thanksgiving and they didn't really miss a beat. You know what I mean? So like we made sure for them that it was like, it was a fun day and all that kind of stuff. Um, it was a bummer for us. Um, and I and I I said to I think it was like January of last year, or this year that I I said to uh, like some family members I was like I'm never doing that again. It's like I we're just we're not missing family time ever again. Like it it doesn't matter to me if you have to take tests, whatever it is. I mean back in the, last year they didn't have rapid tests, otherwise we would have been all over that. Um, yeah, I just I refuse to. Even the initial lockdown where like, like my parents, 
and my in-laws would come over and visit the kids and us and like we'd all like sit on the porch you know and like but like we sat on the porch and like didn't even get close to each other not nope not doing that again don't bow to tyranny don't do it freaks don't bow to tyranny don't the propaganda it all ends when you say it ends uh put your foot down no more lockdowns no more bullshit people are saying no more money printing no more money printing bitcoin fixes that bitcoin fixes that especially that's what annoys me though like this is what really gets me going about the scam demic as i call it or the controlled demolition that's another way i like to frame it um is kids kids are at their like most impressionable ages when they're young and it it affects their psychology the most and i just imagine like a one or a two or a three-year-old growing up and their mum and dad's masking them and their parents are masked and if, like, if you take away like the visual like what a face looks it essentially just de- dehumanizes humans and yep. i think that is affecting kids in a big way so i'm, I'm yeah, against I mean, masking especially for kids like yeah yeah we the first time that we that um our son, our oldest, was four at the time. Um, when the first time that we we waited as long as possible, the first time he had to wear a mask, um, me and my wife literally cried. Like it was yeah. just, it was like, you know, just felt like you were taking away their identity, yep. um, their individuality, um, and. Uh, So, yeah, I mean, we've made a conscious effort um, because then uh, our other son was born at the end of 2019. um, And he got it. Yeah, like he was just like, you know, not even he was not even six months old or whatever, whenever COVID happened. So I was just like, I refuse to let them grow up thinking that this is what life is. and. so that's what I mean, you know, I'm, I'm telling the plebs, I mean, if you if you can absolutely get out of cities, get out of cities. Um, and this, you know, I know we're talking about COVID now, kind <laughs> of, um, but, you know, it, it, it ties into Bitcoin and the monetary system is going to probably collapse. Um, we're probably going to experience hyperinflation. Um, there's probably going to be more lockdowns because of stuff like that. Um, and it's going to, there's going to be a lot of unrest. Um, but if you boil it down to everything that we've gone through in the last year and a half, and, you know, my wife and I said, no, like we're done. Um, we're done. You know, so we are you know, moving to a place where we have enough space for the kids to be able to run and experience life. And generally speaking, the further away you get from cities, the less people give a shit about this stuff, about all the propaganda, um, you know, because, and, and it's funny too, like I've talked to people that have come you know, out this way, out like uh, Pennsylvania, Pittsburgh, um, that are out in California or in LA, 
where it's like lockdown city. Um, and they were like, I didn't know that like masks were just a suggestion here. And I was like, what? And they're like, yeah, like you can't go anywhere. Like you can't in LA. It's, it's complete, you know, it's complete. It's, they're still like, I, I didn't realize that they're still in a pretty bad lockdown. Um, yeah, no, Pennsylvania, like we, um, I, I think I said this last night in the space. Sorry if I'm going on a rant here, but, um, but, uh, I said this on the space last night and I, I pride um, Pennsylvania. So I don't know for those of you that aren't from the States, um, Pennsylvania, we are called the Keystone state of the United States. Um, and like New York is um, right on the Northern border. Um, and we are kind of like the ne- the step from the Northeast going into the Midwest. And, um, and I feel like there's some significance there to uh, I've always felt their significance there to how policies and things sweep across the nation is that we are kind of like a stopgap or we're like, no, like we're not letting this go any further. Um, and so last year in May, we had during one of the elections, you know, it was just some kind of primary election and they put on the ballot and told that they uh, limited the governor's powers because he put emergency orders in place for 90 days in by the constitution of the state of Pennsylvania, he could change or he could extend that emergency, uh, the emergency powers or whatever it was in perpetuity without anybody questioning him. And um, so we had some good uh, lawmakers that actually put something in that would help us. And it was that it limited it, his emergency orders to two weeks. And, if he wants to get, um, if he wants to get uh, it extended at all, he has to get both houses of co- of Congress to agree, which is never going to happen. So basically, we were bas- we basically told him, look, if there's a disaster, we get it. You need two weeks to be able to put emergency orders in, but after that, we're done. We're done, and um, and it was overwhelming. It was a really awesome, powerful vote to actually be a part of. Um, and you know, like the the people showing up to the polls, which to explain like presidential elections, you know what I mean? Like there's tons of people there. Um, some of the other ones, there's a good amount of people, but like a primary for like non major positions in May of like a non presidential non, um, you know, an odd year, an odd year is not like a, like big Senate seats swinging or anything like that um like nobody goes and there was a good amount of people there and we all kind of like looked at each other like yep we're done with this like we were all there specifically to vote for that one measure and the people it was overwhelming in Pennsylvania and and the governor and everybody that was you know uh, you know all pro lockdown they were like livid that they were like, I can't believe that you know the people decided this and it's like you can't you can't silence the people. I mean, they try as, as best they can, but uh, the that's. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm going off. I'll, I'll, no, uh, I go off more. It's uh, I, I couldn't I couldn't agree with everything you were saying. Um, that's yeah. I mean, uh, politics. I don't even want to comment on politics. I mean, when the most free country in the world is still living under uh, vaccine mandates and lockdowns, it makes you question whether politics is a real thing or not. Uh, like I can't even get into a red state at the moment 
if politics were real, I should be able to get into a state that opposed vaccine passports. Um, but you said something really interesting, get out of the cities. I love that. And we, we, we say that nearly every, every weekly episode. And I think that's something that you can do because I, I think a lot of people, they kind of a little bit, especially out of the Bitcoin space, they kind of feel a little bit, not helpless, but uh, they feel a little bit caged in in what they can actually do. Uh, I can't do this. I can't move to the country I want to go to, but you can certainly take steps. And I think getting out of cities is a great way. Like you said it earlier, um, out of the cities, people don't care about the tyranny or the bullshit. I've noticed that as well over here. Like in the cities, everybody's masked up. But if you go 20 to 30 Ks out, like a lot less people are masked up and um, a little bit more free and easygoing. So maybe that's a good place to wrap this one up on. Was there anything else this week that uh, caught your attention, Corey? Um, no, but I'm looking at this chart. Um, I will point Oosh. this out um, because uh, uh, this story, and I'll tell people, if you haven't listened to my initial interview with Guy Swan um, back in like April, um, go check it out because he gives a great breakdown of the block size wars and everything. We ended up talking for like two hours and 15 minutes. It was like a, a Rogan level, like length. <laughs> like we didn't even realize how much time had gone. But um, but if you look at, at the chart in 2011, there's that wick on that candle where it goes up to... Um, uh, it goes up to 30 ish dollars yeah. yeah 40 something like that um so uh, just looking at that now i know for a fact that that is where he bought um <laughs> bitcoin initially because so the funny thing is like he was telling me the story and and i so everybody like he, first of all guy he is a he's just he's a you know, he's, there's a lot of us, there's a lot of these people that are in Bitcoin, but he's one of, he's one of the good guys, you know, just good person. Um, and I recommend everybody, you know, kind of, uh, follow him, listen to his guys takes on, you know, Bitcoin audible. Um, couldn't recommend that more because he's a good level-headed mind in this Bitcoin space where it can be very volatile. The reason he's probably level-headed, so for plebs that are wondering why, you know, I'm bringing this up, everybody sweats with the price. Um, so he told me this story that in they, him and his brother, like, learned about Bitcoin in 2011, and they were, like, talking about it all night, and they were like, oh, my God, it, fi it fixes everything, you know what I mean? And, like, he said he was, like, they were up until, like, the sun came up, talking about how Bitcoin fixed everything. And obviously, he probably thought that this would be fixed by like 2013, you know, like, and it would be hyper Bitcoinized by then. Um, but uh, he said that they Bitcoin was like 10 cents and at the time. And back then, you couldn't just like go to an exchange, like, you had to go through all these different ways to buy it. And so they, <laughs> I don't even know how much money they had, but he was like, it wasn't much. Um, but it was like all they had, like it was just this little amount that they had saved. And they were like, we're going to buy Bitcoin. And the amount of time it took them to get to the exchange and be able to buy it, it they literally bought that top, that wick, where that is circled there, where it topped out in like the 40s or 30s or something like that. And then absolutely crashed back down to a dollar. 
It's like, what, how much of a drawdown is that? 93%. 90, yeah, 93%. That's insane. And he... In, in Guy's words, so that's what I'm saying. I'm not trying to regurgitate what he said, but go back and listen to it because he said that he was like, well, I either, like, instead of pulling his money out, he was like, I either made the stupidest decision in my life, but I got to figure out why, what this was and why I did this. And obviously that just threw him down the rabbit hole further and, um, you know, but I mean, think about that. That's a so hats off to him because that's a him and his brother. That's a ninety three percent drop. Agorist View is his brother, Jeff Swan. If you follow him on Twitter, Agor, at Agorist View, um, yeah, ninety three percent drop, and then it didn't recover till when? Like that's like two years. Uh it's probably about only six 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 months is when it bottomed. But then, yeah, it took a couple of years for it to get back to. <laughs> the price that where guy bought um that's what do they call that initiation by fire oh yeah that's that's a baptism by fire i mean that's That's the one but that's that's diamond hands right there you know um which i think i i jokingly said with uh adam o on the podcast i said if if the swan brothers are ever um bailing on bitcoin then we then (laughs) maybe it's time to jump (laughs) That's a good top indicator when guys out. Yeah. Um, just yeah, I wanted to. Yeah, everybody should be listening to Bitcoin Audible. I think I was actually listening to that probably about half hour before I got on here with you. Um, it de- I mean, definitely he's, he's good. I'm trying to get his brother to come on um, the pod too. Uh, you know, his brother. Yeah, I definitely highly recommend everybody follow him. Um, you know, just good. Uh, you know, independent libertarian mindset. Um, and uh and obviously an og on bitcoin um so uh, yeah if you've been around bitcoin since 2011 you've been around for a while 100 percent. but all right well yeah i guess we'll we'll wrap it there um and uh and we'll catch you guys next week see you guys